Hey, welcome to the Art Condition Podcast, a weekly show that will discuss the business, community, and often undiscussed stress and mental health concerns of being a professional artist or even a serious hobbyist. I'm Joby. I've been in the tattoo and illustration professions for 25 years. My co-host is Moose, a data analyst, social media manager, and art agent. If you enjoy the content, please consider visiting the Patreon page and the show notes to help support the effort. Or if that's not an option, please like, subscribe, leave a good review, or just share with your friends. And definitely go visit the links of our guests on this episode. Thanks for listening and have a great day. This week, we are talking to Young Khan, or Khan for short. Khan has carved out a solid niche for himself, creating emotes for live streamers on the Twitch platform, as well as other graphic design and branding packages. In our talk, you will hear a lot of good information on how to lay a solid base for your business and build on it. We also talk about how to produce multiple revenue streams from single products. We also talk a bit about what it means to be a professional and handle yourself in a way that conveys confidence and expertise, especially when dealing with difficult clients or difficult projects. Khan has an incredible work ethic, and he talks a lot about how the mental and physical discipline of martial arts has translated directly into keeping a steady pace under heavy workloads of his business. We also touch a little on pricing and how to ensure that you are being compensated fairly. All in all, it's a discussion that will leave you feeling motivated and inspired, as well as full of great business advice. One quick piece of housekeeping before we start, there will be no live episode of Art Condition on the 28th of March. We will still release the recorded episode from the 21st of March, but then there will be no recorded episode released on April 4th. Sorry if that's confusing, but it is what it is. Without any more delay, here's our talk with Young Khan. Khan, hello, man. Thank you so much for coming to hang out with us today. It is my pleasure to be here. Yeah, dude. I've been looking forward to talking to you for a while. Uh, your whole your process, your experience watching you on Twitch uh, has been really interesting. So I look forward to this conversation and i want to jump right in by way of some personal history uh, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you hooked into art and what made you stay all right um <clears throat> so i uh, no, i did art in high, in high school and like all growing up and you know uh i got accepted to like the cleveland institute of art which is a pretty you know nice school which was like i don't know in 2000 money, like $40,000 a year, which is like, it's not going to happen. Uh, so that, that didn't happen. Uh, I took one semester of graphic design at KSU and then I flunked out and uh, started to do some t-shirt stuff in like the early 2000s with some hardcore bands with my buddy Ace. Uh, and that lasted like a year or two. And then I right around 2006 or seven, I stopped making art for like a decade. Didn't really do anything. I'd started teaching at a high school and uh, I bought a house and then like, you know, it just, just kind of fell apart. I was competing. I was fighting. It was just like I had too much going on. I stopped creating altogether. Uh, I got back into doing art. Um, really just 
if it if if it hadn't been, uh, if you guys don't know, I have a a very rare, uh, not very rare, but it's a, a semi rare uh, neuromuscular disease uh, called myasthenia gravis, and it attacked. And I lost I lost vision in one eye, and double vision. I couldn't use my hands. I couldn't walk. Couldn't swallow food or water. I shrank up by 40, 50 pounds. And uh, on the recovery, I was bodybuilding before then. I was competing in martial arts. Uh, I decided to get back into doing art like four years ago, four and a half years ago, because uh, I couldn't do the physical things I was doing before. So I jumped into doing a, uh, I bought a refurb laptop on uh, Amazon for a few hundred bucks. And I started drawing like, you know, trying to trying to draw with a trackpad, trying to call myself doing some digital art back then. Nice. Yeah, it was a pen tool in Photoshop. That's how I was making all my shapes. Uh, but I was like, I was making some 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 game fan art, and uh, eventually people were like, "Oh man, I saw you did like a portrait for my buddy, you know, uh, for his avatar from a video game." I was like, "You do one for me?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure, I can do that." How much? You know, uh, fifty bucks. You know, it'll take me two weeks to make. <laughs> but uh, 50 bucks sounds good. And that kind of spiraled into like me doing people's, uh, you know, profile pictures. And uh, eventually somebody came to me and was like, hey, uh, can you make Twitch emotes? And I was like, yeah, I can make Twitch emotes. <laughs> I had never made Twitch emotes before. And I, I wasn't even on Twitch. <laughs> I, like I had that. never liked yes. Twitch emotes. Yes. If I can't do it, I'll learn how to. If there's a hustle in it, I'll find a way to make it work. So I made my first Twitch emotes exactly four years ago this month, actually. Four years ago in March. And uh, since that time, I've made uh, over 4,700 emotes for Twitch, which is like point. Zero one percent of all the emotes on Twitch I've probably made. Uh, that's a lot. No, from there, that's a lot. It's more than a few. I, I got into doing design work. I got into doing logo design, and uh, all that I just kind of picked up from watching YouTube videos. And I kind of moved away from illustration uh, as a main focus of my business model, uh, and doing more design work, learning animations and motion design. But it was all just, you know, just it's another piece of the puzzle. So that's how I got here. So um, rewinding a little bit to art school, and you said that you took, what was it, one, one semester or you, just like one class of, of graphic design and flunked out? Yeah. What was it that, was it, was it graphic design? Was it the school? Wait, what was it that you were just like, I'm, I'm out of here? Um, it was a combination of, I thought I was going to be doing art and it was graphic design because I didn't read the, I didn't read the bio very well. And it was all traditional graphic design. Like you did everything by hand. It was lots of like exacto blades and sticky tack and some of the most brutal and kind of nasty professors I've ever seen, like walk the planet. It was just like. I, I would see people work on their projects. We open our projects in the, the community area, and uh, the, the 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 horrors that went down on review day, like made people like literally break down and cry in class. And I was like, 
not sure if this is what I want to do. Also, I never drank before then, so uh, a combination of alcohol uh, that I never partook in before and uh, poor study practices kind of kicked out. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So it was somewhat your decision, <laughs> somewhat. Uh, I think it's better review. that I didn't finish that up. Yeah, I think it's better than that I, I didn't go through with that because all my buddies that graduated the program, uh, none of them work in graphic design. Um, one teaches the class of graphic design at the at the college, and I was like, I don't, I don't know, it's just, and I, I don't know. I just, it, 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 I'm glad I flunked out, and I'm glad I had my first beer. So it was, that was a win for me. Uh, yeah, alcohol, right on. Podcast is over. Um, so when you, from the point of saying yes to doing Twitch emotes, uh, to like, because anybody that's like tried to do a Twitch emote that, that doesn't know, it's deceptively complex. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of little things, no pun intended, that go into making an emote work. And you, it doesn't, it doesn't, if you don't know what you're doing, it doesn't always work out. I imagine you picked it up pretty quickly, but when you just said, yeah, I'll, I'll start doing that. Like what, it, what was your process for actually like learning how to make it not be terrible? <laughs> um, well, it had to be simple because I was drawing it all with my trackpad. So it wasn't, I couldn't get overly complicated because I didn't have the tools to be overly complicated. Um, if you're, if if you're trying to carve a face out of stone, you know, you only got one chisel and one hammer. You pretty much can only do the thing you can do with one chisel and one hammer. The more tools you have at your disposal, the more experience you have, you think you can put all the knowledge into a tiny image. It doesn't really work out that way. Um, I think having less when I started out, having less to work with made it a lot easier because making a face, you're like, oh, yeah, make a face. And, you know, it'll be an eye and an eye and a mouth and uh you know we'll go from there um the next step was to learn what makes a great emote and that just takes that just takes a little bit of like uh almost like some reverse engineering so you will take you will look at your top you know 100 emotes on twitch that people use and like what about this shape at this size makes this great and that's just being observant which any artist can any any the 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 the, the top tool any artist like toolbox should be observation to detail uh, because without good observation it can't really have great creation you can have you can have great creation but it's not going to be you know on par with what you're seeing or executing to the you know highest uh, extent you can so once i saw a little what great emotes you know what was the composed of the breakdown you get out of 28 by 28 and you shrink it up and you like blow it up on screen like Oh, this is just like three colors. This isn't like and it looks it's it looks like sleight of hand. It looks you look at it smaller like that's gotta be like fifty-eight colors, yo. And you go to shrink it, you'll blow it up, you're like, no, this is like this is like five colors. This is not as thought as I thought as, it, I, I thought it's more than this, but it's not. Like great, great emote design is not it just takes uh it it takes if if you've done like traditional illustration. And you're like, oh, this makes a great painting. This makes a great illustration. Makes a great T-shirt design. Forget all that. Forget everything you, you thought you knew. Just forget all that completely. Take that T-shirt design and then make it 28 by 28 pixels. Is it still telling the same story? And most likely, it is not. 
there's a lot in common between emote design and designing assets for like a mobile phone game or something. Mm. It's almost exactly the same. If you can do good pixel art, if you can do good asset art, you can be a great. Actually, some of the best asset artists, I know one that works for Zynga, uh, does amazing emote art. Um, the thing is, though, the, the amount of detail they go into making their assets isn't conducive for what you would charge to make an emote. So when they make a great asset, you know, they're, it's, it's a few hundred dollars. You know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful piece of art. If you are the the some I mean some artists can get away with it. I mean some streamers can get away with paying a you know hundred bucks or two hundred bucks for an emote. But I mean it's worth it. It's not very time conducive though. So I kind of strayed away from that. As I could do it, it would just take four times the time and probably five times the money. For people listening, there's some really good lessons that are worth writing down there, uh, taking note of. You know, like the almost it less tools is better. Like the less things that you give yourself to work with, kind of forces your creativity, forces that simplifying, and in the long run, you know, like teaches you more. Because once you get those shapes, you know, those basic tools down, then you start adding in little things, and having that analytical mind, that's like a key ingredient to you know self guided education. That I think a lot of people don't think about um, conscientiously. You know, they it, it's it's there and it's happening even if you're unaware of it. But it's being able to like put that in in front of yourself and use that as a tool in itself to analyze and try and figure out what are the things that are making X, Y, and Z work well. In being self guided yourself, like have you? had like any mentors or big inspirations like that have helped you kind of like move into where you're at now or have you just kind of just flown by the seat of your pants the whole way i would say both um when i first got inspired to do like more art um there's a lot of destiny fan artists that were making stuff and i was like you know you can't really do much when you're you know rehabbing from surgery and stuff so uh you know, I'm scrolling through Instagram and playing playing video games, and I'm like, I would really love to make more art again. And uh, one of my good friends, uh, he became a good friend afterwards. I was, I was following his art on Instagram, uh, Cobb One, artist out of Nevada. Got to meet several times at different conventions. Um, he like kick, he like kick, like seeing his stuff kickstarted me into making stuff. And I had never, I wasn't really in the art scene anymore. I had no idea what artists, you know, were out. I wasn't on like I made my Twitter because I played video games five years ago, um, and Instagram I was basically just following a bunch of bodybuilders and powerlifters. So finding artists on there all came much much later. But my band Cobb One was a huge one. Um, I got into doing more. I learned I actually learned Illustrator completely uh, because of Hydro Seven Four, and once I followed him, you know I started like. Picking up his technique, like trying to figure out exactly how we shape things, you know, uh, that was like a huge inspiration. And then he like saw some of my work, I think last year, and you know, commented on. I was like, oh my god, and we started talking a little bit. So that was like another huge like uh, thing for me. Um, Sueda, another guy who works in Illustrator, um, but a huge part of um, the acumen 
the education all came from uh, a YouTube channel run by Christo uh, called The Future. Um, that was one of the major impetuses into like springboarding what was, you know, a business that was sustainable. Um, you know, I was making I was making more money than I was as a bartender, but that springboarded like, you know, tripling the income, you know, in a, in a, in a number of months, which is following some of those those cues like. I don't follow the designs much from the channel, but I do follow the business advice. And it was like, it's worth its weight in gold. Yeah, I have recommended that channel on many occasions, especially to people that are in disbelief. You know, when, when you run up against that resistance and when, when you're gently trying to explain to somebody that they could be charging a lot more, you know, and it's like, you, you can't convince them to believe it. Here, watch this video. Um, so in building your business, um, the things that I'm aware of, that you, like the services and the product products you provide, um, you're doing this branding and graphic design work, um, mainly uh, surrounding Twitch emotes, animations, and overlays. Uh, and you also have educational material. And do I have all, all that right, or did I miss anything? Um, merchandise. I produce my own merchandise under the uh, under the Conquer brand. Um, I do sell beanies, so. uh, stickers, and all that kind of stuff. T-shirts, uh, hoodies. So I have my own like personal um, brand, but merchandise, uh, coursework. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. So this um, arrangement of like multiple revenue streams is something that you hear talked about as a, a wise thing to start setting up as early as, as possible. Um, when you were starting this ball rolling and kind of like building up a business for yourself, did you have that in mind from the beginning? Was it intentional or did you just kind of start with one thing and then start adding in new things as you went? Um, I just started adding in new things as I went. Um, one thing I've learned is that when you're producing a product, and you're, you know, you're producing this, this, this end content. Um, what you want to do is make it as rare as possible. I know it sounds kind of weird, uh, but if you can produce a, a, a product at a very high quality, and you can still have great customer service and good client, you know, good client rapport, uh, you build up a very good amount of goodwill towards you as an organization, you as a brand, you as a designer. And I didn't. Uh, I didn't want to jump the gun on producing like all this other content without building up that goodwill first. Cause you could, you could be the best designer in the world, but if you shove too many things in people's face at one time, you know, I do this, 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 here's my storefront. Here's all this stuff. You paying attention? I got, I got my Patreon. I got, I got a coat. Are you looking at this thing? <laughs> I got all this stuff over here. Um, if you, if you move from, um, this thing, like I did emo design. And eventually people would say, well, do you do logos? And I'm like, uh, no. But I'll learn how and I'll get back to you. Do you do mascot design? Nope. But I'll take a class and I'll learn how and I'll, I'll get back to you. Do you do motion graphics? Uh, no, no, but I'll, I'll learn how and I'll get back to you. And eventually I just learned how and got back to them. Um, so I've had people come to me for a job that was $40 when I first started. Like they got two emotes or three emotes, whatever I was charging back then. 
And now they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I want this. And I'm like, okay, that'll be three grand. They're like, yep, for you, I'll do it because you've been doing this. You're reliable. You've always been there, you know, in the, in the thousands of jobs. I think I've had over 2,200 jobs in four years, like individual jobs. Uh, I've only had less than 20 clients not be happy with what they got. And that takes a lot of uh, foresight, knowing when things are going right, knowing things are going wrong, and uh, being upfront with your clients about what's going on. Uh, once you put up that goodwill, you can kind of expand what you do and to you know, press those boundaries because people say, where'd you get that done at? Oh, this guy made it. I would love to learn how to do that. And I'm like, hey, you can learn how to do this. Here's my course. Here's my Patreon. Here's a number of links that will take you to the place. Some things are free. Some things aren't. But becoming like a, uh, a voice in the space, you, you don't want to pro- pro- profess yourself to be a, uh, an expert. You kind of let the community do that for you. So I know when it steps up, I'm an expert. I'm like, but are you, though? <laughs> but are you, though? Uh, when people say, that's the man to go to, I'm like, well, you know, I, I do a few things and here are the things I do. And if you want to do these things, too, I'd like to help you. Um, so. If you try to help out, you know, people learn more things or to create better things or to even get them, you know, or to be honest with your, the people you're working with. I'm like, uh, I want to get this and this done. I'm like, you could, and that's going to run you, you know, X amount of dollars, but it'd be better if you didn't do this and just redid this thing back here because everything you have is working. You know, you're, you're throwing money at a problem. And I would take your money. I will willingly take your money. But I'm telling you this right now, you're wasting your money doing this. Like being a good consultant is also, it builds a goodwill with your, uh, with your client base. So no, nothing. Not, I didn't want to really start out just shopping a bunch of things around. I kind of just, uh, everything builds one on top of the other. And people ask for things. And eventually you just, you provide as a service provider or try to provide. Yeah, more, lots more notes there for people to be taking. Rewind and write down everything that he just said. Um, you mentioned some other producers, uh, content creators that sort of like inspired you. You modeled yourself after a little bit. Um, as far as you know, developing this business model, though, uh, were you following those? Uh, the people that you mentioned before, were you following them as a business model as well? Or were there other things? You mentioned the future uh, channel on YouTube as well. Were there other things that you sort of like incorporated or used as a template? Uh, n- no, not really. Because the, the artists I were following, the, they, I mean, Hydrosum 4 is working with like, you know, Nike and Marvel. I'm like, how, how am I going to mar- you know, market myself to Marvel? I haven't made anything yet. Um, I mean, he does have a Patreon. My buddy Cobb works with like tops, like Star Wars cards. So, you know, that's not really something I model myself after. A lot of the business advice came from the future. Um, I, I, I made an I made an email course. It took me one week to write and a day to to film it all with like minimal edits. And I got that idea from watching the future the, the a guy who does uh, tutorials for uh, Photoshop, for uh, Adobe programs. So he just, you know, that's what he does. He's like, 
you know, I, I produced my first course, you know, I, I made, you know, $10,000 on it. I was like, it took me like a weekend to make. I was like, we can make, I can make a course. I can make a course. I, I, I stream. I got a camera. I got, I got a microphone. People know me. I, I, I could do that. And I produced the course and, uh, and like, and I saw what he, what he was talking about, what he going for different platforms. So a lot of the stuff is just, they have different guests in the future. I'm like, I'm just looking and listening and taking notes like, Fifteen grand, huh? You week weekend <laughs> word? Oh no! And you know they have followings, and I'm like, I gotta, I gotta, I got some of a following. When I came to Patreon, people were like make a Patreon. I'm like, what do you mean to make? I don't know. And I was like, so when I came to that, I was like, well, if I make a Patreon, I'm not the best illustrator. There are a shit ton of illustrators out there that are making, they're making the most mind blowing pieces, and I'm like. I can't even draw a neck right, let alone get this. You know, I, I'm not getting, I'm not getting the NSFW crowd in with this stuff. This is not going to work. <laughs> so what? In instead, like with any other business, there was a hole in the market, and that hole in the market was, well, I would get this email from people, this DM. Oh yeah, no, my emotes are you know X dollars, they're thirty dollars a piece, or they're for eighty. Oh man, you know. Um, I'm going to come back in a few months and I'm going to see about, I'm like, okay, so sometimes this amount of money people don't have. So what I thought was I'll make a Patreon and I'll make 10 emotes a month for different games, different memes. I'll just make 10 emotes a month and that'll be like 300 bucks worth of content. And I'll sell it for 10 bucks. I'll just sell it for 10 bucks. And I'm like, oh, that, that, that's, that's not like a good idea. This will be a good way to help people get high quality emotes. And I can also, you know, fund some other projects for myself. And like this, should, this should be good. I might lose in the first, you know, three or four months, but you know, whatever. I'll, I'll put it up, and consistently every month, I'm just. It takes me like a day or and a half, maybe, to to just knock out ten emotes with some ideas, and that creates about a grand in just income. So I'm tripling that that value of just those that that residual stuff. Now, from there, I've taken all that content from the past year. And luckily, I've talked to the, the patrons first. I'm like, okay, all this stuff is done. You guys have had it for two or three years. Um, would you guys be okay if I took that old stuff and sold it for a higher price? And they're like, yeah, okay, I don't care. If we, you had it up a year ago. I mean, you're going to resell it. We already you, we paid for it well over, and we don't care if you, if you resell it. So I started selling my website. So those things that were 10 bucks for that month are now $30, $40 on the website. As digital downloads. So that's all passive income. In the first week, I was like, you know, somebody, I might make 40, 50 bucks. You know, I ended up making like 500 bucks on some stuff that I made a year and a half ago. So I'm repurposing my content as just something to, because uh, um, you can't, if anybody out here do, that does commissions, anybody that does design work, anybody that, you know, wants to get off of the wheel, <laughs> the, the, the continual wheel of, uh, I need to have this amount of commissions to make life not hate me. I need this amount to make the lights stay on. I need this amount to eat a cheese sandwich. Um, if you if you make commission work, your only sole like form of income, you are going to be in for a very stressful, long, and depressing ride. If there is a way to take what you do and move it to a more passive setting. Um, and if you do something really well, if you can, I like people say, put it on YouTube. And I'm like, if you don't have the following to get the 
the clicks and the views and be able to people sit through it. And it's, I don't see that as viable for somebody like myself. So instead, I took that information from making, you know, 3,000 emotes or 4,000 emotes, and I'll make it into a course. And they were like, oh, you can put it on Skillshare. It'd be 20 bucks. You know, you'll get that. And I'm like, yeah, and you get half of the money or they, you know, Skillshare takes half. And I'm like, that sounds like pimping. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not getting ready to be pimped. My understanding so. is that uh, Skillshare uh, pays you per minute watched, and it's like five cents per minute watched. So if you have a <laughs> one-hour tutorial and a uh, hundred people watch it, that's sixty times five cents uh, times uh, a thousand people or however many people. That's per month. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. that wasn't an option for me at all. It's like a, if I'm going to put this information out there, because. Um, the one thing about in the digital age, and people, everyone knows this, you can, you can learn anything on the internet for free. Learn anything. Um, now, since it's free, you don't care about it that much. You're not, put, you're not putting any value in it. Like, there could be a master sculptor out there, a master, whatever you want to do, there's a master giving you the information for free. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll learn it from there. And you go to look it up, and you'll get into it for five minutes. You're like, I'll come back to it later. It's free. It'll be forever. And no, it's like that. I know. I know how this is. I taught martial arts for oh, quite some time, and if I'm, if I'm giving you something, most likely you're not going to value what I'm teaching you. And it took me, you know, thousands of hours of repetition to make it happen. You're going to take it as, you know, it's passable, you know, and you'll you'll forget about it. So I was like, I'll move my I move my uh, my course to a website where I charge. They pay me. They they charge like three hundred bucks a month, or not not a month, three hundred bucks a year. To host the course, you can set the price to whatever you want. I was like seventy-five bucks. People are like, why is the course seventy-five dollars? And I'm like, um, if you make three emotes, you've already paid for the course. So these are <laughs> this is this is this is money making. This is money making stuff. This isn't like this isn't what do you call it? This isn't theory. This is how I started this business. I'm not giving it away for twenty dollars or nineteen ninety nine or nine ninety nine. You could. It's 75 bucks, and you'll make that money back in one job. And this is just the base information. So uh, if you have great information, be careful of how you not, – not be careful how you present it. Be mindful of how you present it and know that what you, what you do has value. Your information, your knowledge has value. I'm not saying you shouldn't help people because I literally people come to the stream asking the questions that are in the course. And I'm like, well, you do it like this, and I'll show them. I'm like, oh, you want to learn the entire thing? The course is over there. I'm not holding back information, but you want it all in one place. You know, that's, well, here it is. It's all packaged and bundled for you. You can watch whenever you want. And uh, that was the way I, I approached that. So passive income is the way to go. Uh, it can't be, and you can't really get away with passive income in the beginning unless you have a very, very um, um, unique idea that's not been done before because I had not seen anybody do emotes for Patreon. I was like, people were selling them on Gumroad and you know they just like stuff like that. And I'm like, eh, that that's an idea, but um, I'd rather just uh, you know keep all that you know as much as much as the money that it can make from from what I from what I do in one place. So that was my idea behind that. Now we could be tempted. The other thing I heard is uh, it was advice from somebody else doing tutorials. I think it was on ArtStation or something. And they were suggesting putting your courses up for at least $75 so that way it looks valuable to people. They see all these $5 tutorials out there and like, oh, that must not be very you know, deep. 
but what makes this thing that's what makes this worth $100? What makes this worth $75? And they're curious, so they look into it and then they get interested and then they uh, either buy it if they're serious or maybe they don't have the money or whatever. But you'll end up making more money in the long run if you have a, something that stands out, if only because of the price. Yeah. Um, the course is uh, it was a year old uh, on January 30th of uh, this past, like January. And since then, I've had over 275 students. I like I think a few of those for like half price, like intro courses too, though. But I like what you said, you know, about charging for your information, putting value on it um, as, as an important thing to do. Cause some, sometimes, uh, you'll hear some opinions or maybe even some debate about like, you know, well, education should be free. Information should be free. I want to give all of this stuff away for free. And while that might be true, time is the, like, you know, the ultimate resource, right? That's the ultimate finite resource. And if you're putting your time into it, seems fair to say like well you know some compensation for that is 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 reasonable and i think that that's like a that's a a, a it makes me happy to hear you say that anytime anybody talks about that we need more of that information out there it's, it's okay for you to want to be compensated for the work that you do if you're providing value so you're on domestica right is that the uh, teachable Teachable. Where did I get Domestica from? Um, there's so there's so many educational platforms out there. Um, you guys were talking a little bit about Skillshare also, and I think Domestica is another one, right? And what what's the I, anyway? We don't have to go through the list of them. What what made you decide Teachable was the one that you wanted to use? Well, a lot of the websites they'll do marketing for the course themselves. Like they'll market. That's why you're you're, you're paying them a good chunk of money. Like they'll put your course up in a, a number of like searches and whatnot. Teachable is not really searchable. Um, that's why it's uh, you get to keep most of your money because you're, they're not doing any advertising for you. Uh, so I, I it was uh, sometimes you get to get gamble on yourself. I was like three hundred bucks worth the gamble. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think three hundred bucks is worth the gamble. I mean, maybe I'll sell five courses, maybe I won't, but I'll be out three hundred bucks. And it'll be a learning experience. Uh, and uh, fortunately, uh, you know, it was, uh, a great source of income. Uh, I think we just crossed like the, the 10 grand mark or a little bit over that in the past month or so, just from a weekend to work, a weekend of filming with a dog barking in the background for like part of the course. Uh, and you said it's what a year old. <laughs> yeah. A year old, a year old, a year and two months old. And that's not bad. And does it continue to bring in revenue for you? Like consistently? Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Um, sometimes, so, you know, some months it's like you make 150 bucks. Some months you make 1500 bucks. It all, it all depends. Uh, the, I, uh, I, I had the course up for sale for 50% off for the, uh, the one year anniversary. And somebody in my stream bought 10 copies of it to give away. So uh, it's, uh, it just keeps making money. And I don't do anything. It's just, you know, I don't even think about it anymore. It's kind of like Patreon. It's just, I don't think about it anymore. Yeah, Have some you released parts any the... additional? Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I'm, I'm, writing, I'm writing two more courses, actually. Um, I'm writing an emote, 
Emote Design, uh, Emo Design 102. The first one is Emo Design 101. Uh, fundamentals and Concepts, because I'm crafty. And the next one will be, you know, the, the second version will be all the finishing touches, all the finals, and then it'll move into some of the, uh, the presentation stuff I do for my, uh, my uh, clients. And the other course is going to be an intro to Illustrator course, but mostly for Twitch designers. Which I've, I've, all these all these these things I've done as courses I've already done on Patreon as testing grounds, so I can get feedback on what they like and what they don't like about the 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 um, the educational content I produce. Like I made one on Illustrator already, but it's not it's not polished. It's just me on the screen for two hours. There's not breaking up. It's not broken up in any, into any fundamentals. And you know I've already seen people just take that course and just start their own businesses. I'm like. Oh, that's that five dollar, uh, that five dollar or ten dollar, uh, you know, experiment is successful, and then eventually that that content will come off the Patreon, and it'll be another course for uh, to to put up my website. I've noticed that uh, a few people, like when I tell them to to consider making a course, they'll get hung up on one part of the process, whether it's the writing part or uh, the filming part or the editing part. Was there anything that hit you had a snag with? No, no, I don't edit. Uh, no, I don't. I don't have time to make it look pretty. I want it to be functional. Uh, no, presentation is great. Um, no, like I, I worked as a, you know, I worked as a cook, the meat cutter. If making a meal look good, you know, a good expo, you know, make it look, it look, make it look pretty. I mean, it's it's great. I just need. Uh, I'm 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 more into like, is this thing a hammer? Does it hit nails in? Then it's good. Like if I if I think about making something look great, I just need I just need it to be straight to the point. A B C. We're gonna learn this, this, and this. This is step one. Step two, three, four, five. Let's go back through it. One, two, three, four, five. This is just from teaching martial arts for just a number of years. All right, I'm just stand still. Put your hands up. Not that loose. Not that tough. Be loose, not that loose. You know, put your hands in front of your face. Don't get smacked. All right, not that low, not that high. Uh, so being specific and uh, showing people, you know, where and when to like make certain changes and what makes a good emote and what makes a bad emote. This is a good decision or a bad decision. So I kind of I go through it like that. So I, I you, you have steps when, you, when you're doing a painting. You just you have steps. You don't want a white background. You want to have some a little bit off white. You don't want to burn your eyeballs out. All right, you want your canvas to be this size. You want it to be too big or you want it to be too small. You want to brush this too big or too small. You want to shrink it down, make sure it works. All those small little points are just tucked into every single lesson. Just just A, B, C, D. It's, it's just straight on the list. So working worrying about editing. Is my voice too high? Just film 10 minutes of you talking. And if it looks presentable, there you go. Make your camera small, big enough, and there's that. Everything else is just there's no there's no commercial for the, the course. There's no preview of me drawing on the screen. I didn't I didn't I didn't there there's no like breakdown of like you know an infomercial of me doing it. There is just one still image, and you know from me from Twitter because I make a lot of emails for people, and that's how I sold it. I think you, the more you show people like, well, I don't know what I'm getting. Well, there's a list of things you're getting right here. Is there a video? No, no, it's not. It's not a video. There's no video. I got I got a hundred plus students now. They they've taken it. Well, two hundred plus students now. They've taken it, and they're all making stuff. So, isn't that good enough? It's kind of like the uh, the old uh, old uh, trick with people 
that contact young designers. Well, you know, me and my colleagues would like to have this made, but we want to see how you would make it first. <laughs> yeah. uh, fuck no, dude. <laughs> Free work? What? Exposure no. bucks. You can pay me. I, I got contacted by somebody that has literally millions of followers on YouTube, or is, you know, his contact man. And like, oh yeah, you know, we would love to work with you on this, and you know, we need it by you know in two weeks. I'm like, all right, you know, that'll be you know two thousand dollars for this for this logo because of the time frame. And like, uh, can we see what it looks like first? No, 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 you cannot see what it looks like. No, are you sure about this? I am very sure. Um, it was great talking to you though. Now I'll be around if you need me. The real insidious shit is when they try and pitch you against other artists. You know, it's like, oh, well, we, we want to get a sampling of different artists and then we're going to pick the best one. Like, that's fucked up because now you're not only trying to get free work from me, but you're trying to, like, uh, instigate this, like, lower cortex bullshit, you know, to, like, make me feel like a, a fighting animal where I have to compete with all of these people. That's messed up, man. Don't do that. Oh, it's messed up. I'm like, oh, we, we got those other artists working on this project. I'm like, good. Um, <laughs> you know. Contact me when all that, when all that fails. <laughs> um, <laughs> this no editing thing, though, man, that's kind of blowing my mind. I, 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 I would like to think that that's something that you can learn. I don't know if some if, if a lot of people come to the table with that sort of effortlessness. Oh, I mean, you can edit it. Um, I've I've been talking to people as a bartender as a teacher for you know almost a decade so it just it's like I, I do a I do a Monday morning YouTube video for 15 minutes and it's never edited. It's just I open I hit record, I hit upload, and then I go about my business. <laughs> um if if I am if if I'm going to have something edited, I'll just hire an editor. But mm. I didn't let I didn't edit it because I know if I was going to edit it, it would never get done. Right. What is it? Perfection so, is the enemy of good. Yeah, just, just let it go. <laughs> what it's, uh, uh, was it? Yeah. Uh, incidentally, what, what branch of martial arts were you teaching? Oh, uh, I was teaching uh, Kuntao Salat, which is a, uh, a Chinese Indonesian uh, branch of uh, martial arts. Um, uh, that's the one I was teaching, but I, you know, trained in you know, two different two different three different kinds of just Chinese martial arts. Uh Kuntasalat is more is closer to, I guess you would say, um Kali maybe, with the knife fighting aspect. But yeah, I competed for like seven or eight years. I did full contact fighting for five years. Um you know, I probably had like over like close to 100 trophies in like the 10 year span of like competing which eventually i just threw all that shit away because um there's something very uh i'm gonna just this go on a small tangent here there's there's something very um hollow about awards uh because you're you're just the best there was there that day. I mean, that's not to detract from what you know the victory you may have had, but it kind of gives you a false sense of like uh, superiority. And I was like, this is plastic and marble, and you know it's taking up too much fucking space in my basement. B. 
So I think all the big ones we got rid of. I got like maybe I don't know, 12 little ones laying around. And some, I kept all the medals, all the medals because I like to hang them on stuff. But uh, yeah, I've been doing martial arts for like 25 years. Kind of slowed down during the art times, but yeah, good times. That's interesting. I don't think I've ever heard it put that way. You know, that the, the, the hollowness of, it's not the hollowness of victory necessarily that you're talking about, but having that trophy, having this like piece of plastic up there to kind of like remind you of this glorious moment. I could see how that could be counterproductive because then you get like, you're, you're just in this like memory loop. Yeah. Like, well, you're that like, was a uh, great Al day. Bundy with, uh, with the Polk yeah. high school. Yeah. 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 Touchdown. You're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. it's just, I, I, I don't, I, I, I've seen teachers of just, you know, they hang on to these things. Like I, I hold on to a few things, but it's just—it's not progressing. The art's not progressing. You as a martial artist is not progressing. You as a fighter, you're not getting any better. It's not making you better. Standing on all this stuff, staying on a, a pound like a a mile of trophies, like it—it it, it says something that you went out there and you did the thing. Like you did this, and you got first place. You're like bam. But did did you get any better? Did did that make you better? Is that making you a is that making you hungry? Like nothing's more hungry than than loss. Nothing nothing makes you more hungry than slamming your face into a wall again, slammed face first by some guy you think that should have been an easy toss. Nothing nothing is more motivating than being knocked down to a pulp. For me, that's not for everybody. Like when I uh when I came down with the disease, I was uh, I was a little I was a little depressed. Because I was bodybuilding, you know, I had a six pack, and I was shredded, you know, I was, I was king shit. And then, you know, your body withers away. You got an eye patch on. You're, you're in a hospital bed. You got a pipe in your neck, and you got a pipe pumping plasma out of your heart into a machine that's putting in fresh plasma. And uh, the bounce back. That was a, every, everyone. Everyone loves a, a bounce back. Everyone loves a, a comeback. That made me realize a lot of things about life and how short it is and how fragile it is and, uh, you know, how you spend your time and, you know, what's important and what's not important. And a lot of stuff I was doing is this is not important. I don't, I don't know. This is, this is a bunch of bullshit. I could, I could do better than this. <laughs> so I try to, I try to do better. I try to have other people, people like do a little bit better. Like, uh, like being the, like being the, best designer or the best emote artist isn't as important as, you know, being the best person you can be or being the best martial artist doesn't mean jack shit. If you, you know, you're just shitting on everybody, you know, that does something different than you do. So. I actually admire you that, that you've been able to uh, maintain the uh, motivation going forward after that uh, illness. I had a near death experience like last year and I'm already forgetting all the lessons I learned, like the, the immediate uh, decisions to make every moment matter. I, I don't feel that anymore. I've already moved past that. I'm already back to the old normal. Mm. So you being able to keep pushing forward and keep that, uh, keep that all that stu important stuff in mind. It, you're a better man than me, I guess. There's one book and one movie that helped with that um, by Dan Millman um, called no ordinary moments. There's a movie produced like in the two thousands called, uh, um, the Peaceful Warrior with Nick Nolte. 
It's a really good flick. I suggest everybody watch. It's about an Olympic uh, gymnast. He breaks one of his legs. He shatters it, and he comes back to join the Olympics. It, it is a great film. But the book, No Ordinary Moments, uh, puts a lot of things in perspective. Um, if you don't see behind me, um, I'm a little bit of a reader. Um, <laughs> I'm really big into philosophy, religion, and uh, the even all those books back there—they're all the kind of this boil. Like all the religion, philosophy books kind of boil down to like a few simple tenets that are you know take you through life. And life is monotonous. It's it's a it's a long, tiresome road. And if you focus on like the end of the road so much you kind of just lose sense of like your bearing in reality like you become like an automaton or a robot and all the things that are happening just kind of you kind of get numb to them now I've, I've gotten numb to things and uh kind of snapping yourself back into reality like well yeah this might be shitty for me or this might be great for me but what can I do for the people around me instead of this? Because the the ultimate fact that you have near death experience, every time I take my shirt off, I gotta see these these three cuts. I got one, two, three, four, five, six, and I got one on my neck. Um, so I just see these scars from the surgery. And I'm like, well, you know, everyone doesn't last forever. No one, no one lives forever. So how can I make the person older to me, younger to me, how can I make them have a better trajectory? And that's like something I learned teaching at the high school, like um, putting putting all the lessons into perspective. And you see, you see yourself when you start to see yourself in everybody, and I mean everybody, even the people you hate. When you see yourself in every person you come across. Um, it 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 changes the way you see the universe in itself, which sounds, but it's really true. Uh, yeah. No, I, I I like that. It, it reminds me of something similar that I like to try and remind myself of whenever possible. I'm definitely not very good at it all the time, but uh, uh, I remember somebody pointing out that everybody used to be a baby. Um, you know, it, it even fucking well, name the person that you dislike the most, <laughs> and then and then imagine them as a baby, and it's a helpful exercise. It doesn't mean forgive them for all of the atrocious shit that they're doing, but it's a useful uh, mental exercise in trying on empathy for a moment and realizing that this person is just damaged. Like there's a lot of damage in the world and that's more what you're up against than just like evil per se. Um, the philosophy thing is, is wonderful. Um, I would like to bring it back to the business real quick, though, um, momentarily, because I'm curious to know about, um, well, real quickly, the, the educational material, you say that that's not searchable on the platform that it's on, but you still maintain regular sales. What's your method for promoting it to the degree that you do market it? How do you go about making it known that it's there? Um, I don't actively market it, to, to be honest. Um, I have like a little keyword set up in my title, you know, exclamation email course. And people come by the channel and be like, you make emails? I would love to learn how to make that. I'm like, you can, because I wrote a course. And uh, the other thing I do is um, I have mailers for everything I, I sell. Everyone gets a card. They get like a little card and it has a code on the back, you know, for 50% off the course, you know. 
and then so you buy you know something from the store you get this in the mail so outside of that um i've thought about doing like you know instagram commercials and stuff like that and it's like um it would be worth it financially to do so but i am not ready to put it out there until i produce more course content because people were already hungry after the first course i'd rather produce more content and then set up for a big bang like you know this is all right i got this one course now i have five courses now here's the the rollout and this is you know that potential you know 50 grand i can make a year i can make you know 275 grand a year yeah that's a ticket my understanding Maybe. is that each time you put out a new course, it reminds people, first it finds new people, and then those new people find your old course. So it basically asks, the, basically the new courses act as advertisers for the old courses. So if mm -hmm. you produce five more courses over the course of the year, those themselves are now advertisements. Yeah. The thing I tried not to do is make a bunch of content that people have already done better than I have. Uh, which is also extraordinarily difficult in the uh, in the digital age. Like I had not seen an emote course. There might be one now. Like I hadn't seen anybody put emotes on Patreon, but now a lot of people put emotes on Patreon. And I was like, yeah, maybe I started something, or maybe I didn't. Who knows? Uh, you, you'll never know because the internet is old, and uh, you know people do stuff all the time, then forget about it. So yeah, it's also sort of one of those things where like you have an idea, and you thought it was new. And then once you do it, you see everybody else doing it. And you're like, did I just not notice that before? Or is this just like some weird coincidence? Like you picked up on the vibrations and so did a bunch of other people. Um, in the list of things that you have going on that you kind of like slowly built up and um, built on top of each other. Is there anything that you've tried that hasn't worked? Something that you've had to ditch out on? Hmm. Um, not really. Well, that's great. You're betting a thousand. <laughs> yeah, uh, yes. I'm trying tell to think us, of maybe a store I offered before. I'm trying to think of maybe something to offer that didn't work out well, or mm. nope, no, not really. Uh, Shall be so lucky, right? I, man, let me. I got to dig a little bit deeper. Then, uh, what about things you would do differently? <laughs> thinking um, of thinking what of would all I of do your... differently. Yeah. What What would have? Okay. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. So one thing I probably do differently is I would probably pay somebody to you know redo the uh, the presentation of my content online, yeah, even though I'm a designer. I just uh, I spend a lot of time designing some other people, so the presentation is not that great. Um, I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of measured and reckless at the same time. So, uh, like, if I have an idea, I'll just execute immediately, and uh, then I find out I'm reckless. I'm like, this person does it already, and they I think you got the idea from them. Like, did I? Maybe I did. I don't. They'll take it down. Uh, so. That's pretty much it. That's the, just the presentation value because I spend an inordinate amount of time just making stuff for other people, and I don't really focus too greatly on what I do, just because of my my hectic schedule. Like I'm I'm booked until 
September right now. September? Yes, September. And rush orders are closed at the moment. You close rush orders? You don't charge like twice as much? Oh, yeah, no, I do. Somebody, I have a huge project going through. Like a project that would have been like, you know, 1500 is now three grand and they wanted to rush. I'm like, okay. So it's just a, a larger order. Um, so, yeah, people that order, like, so, like, I need an emo done. I'm like, I need it by tomorrow. I'm like, well, it was worth usually be 30 and it was 90 now. They're like, okay. You know, I had a few orders like that. Like, I, my rushers are usually booked up two months. Like, I'll have a regular five month order list. I'm like, I need it on rush. Or I need an emergency rush. I have a rush, emergency rush. Your time is very important. Uh, rush is time and a half. So whatever a Nemo is, is like thirty bucks. Okay, it's forty-five. You have it. In, you have it in two months. Oh, I need it tomorrow. You know, it's going to cost you ninety bucks. All right, I need six of them. You're like, you know, it's your money, man. You know, I, I, I just make the stuff. I uh, so you mentioned that you don't really actively promote the. Uh, the coursework, the uh, the educational material. Um, is there anything that you do actively promote, or it's all you all kind of just like let it ride, word of mouth, reputation? Um, yeah, word of mouth, word of mouth. The, my only concern is producing the highest quality content I can for my clients, and to make sure they're as happy as possible when I produce it, because they are the lifeblood of my business. Even yeah, no. when they can be assholes, they are the lifeblood of my business. Oh, we got and a question about assholes such. coming up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it, I wanted to underscore that, you know, just to be sure that, you know, that's the, it, it kind of it ties back to what you were saying kind of at the beginning, you know, like um, building up your reputation, um, showing yourself to be, you know, reliable, making quality content. That's, worth almost like all the marketing that you could possibly want to pay for just like all of this like upfront work first is um worth that much and more um so switching up just a little bit when you're working with somebody on a branding package you know uh, emotes wh whatever it may be um do you take their input is it a collaboration or is it more just like Con does what Con does. It's a collaboration up to a point. Um, I've actually just had a I had a client recently, um, the past week, where I produced you know what they wanted in their brief, but they sent me some other material that they wanted the direction to go down, and I had to inform them what they wanted would be a poor decision. Um, it would make them look bad. It would make me look bad. And I let them know the job was over. Um, and unfortunately, this is not going to work out for me or you. Because uh, I value my reputation. And I value you know, what we have done together. So you know, we've got to part ways. Uh, so it was a collaboration to that point until they wanted something that design-wise would have been you know, a homunculus of just wrong. So you know, it should be a collaboration. Because I want, I, want, I want clients to be happy. But I want to I want to I want to maintain that what I produce is put, will be to a certain quality. So you, you almost got to protect your namesake because I've, I've had early on clients where what they've wanted. I'm like, honey, this, 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 that and that. And I'm like, all right, whatever. I'm trying to get paid, whatever. And you make it and you're like, oh, man, it is, I love it. And I'm like, 
I'm glad you're happy. Are you going to produce one of those little like things, the animation? I'm like, I am not going to produce one of those, and I'm going to put my name on it because this is awful. You want to be an art director, but you have no art direction. I'm sorry. When you, uh, I hope your, I hope your community likes it. When you encounter a situation like that, is there any back and forth beforehand? Like, do you try and reason with them before oh, yeah, you yeah, fire no, them as a client, or is it just like I don't have time yeah, for this? Yeah, I, I reason with them. Um, this is what you want. Um, this is what is going to look good. Uh, well, I want something like this. Well, I mean, you might want to hire that person because uh, this is going to be a mistake. You want that to be the face of your branding, but I forgot about it already. <laughs> uh, like they, somebody wants, if somebody contacts me about branding uh, or uh, identity work, like, oh yeah, I want to have this, you know, I want to, I want to, you know, I want all these materials and I want this, that, and the other. And I'm like, so you want a painting and not a logo? Well, yeah, you should contact the painter. Yeah, in essence, you I mean you have to, as you're branding for other people, you also need to stay true to your own brand. You can't be like all over the place doing just anything, right? I mean, it's got to look like I, I do almost anything. Yeah, I I do pretty much anything. But if you that's why I asked you up front, what are you using this for? Right. What yeah, that's more that. Right yeah. We don't do that here. Uh-uh. Yeah, no. Oh, it's going to be t-shirt design. Well, yeah, we'll do anything we want a t-shirt design, dude. It's fine, yeah. <laughs> this will be a face of my business. No, no, we cannot do that. I am not putting my name on that, sir. You, you, <laughs> this is this is a mistake waiting to happen. So I try to I try to let them know, like, okay, so tell me about your, your favorite brands. Who who do you, what is what is your favorite, you know, kind of creative space? What does your brand look like? Ah, I see. It's all well-crafted, and you want this. Well, this is not going to be that at all and uh it's very unfortunate you know but you know keep that i'm gonna keep the deposit because we went through a number of no breakdowns and you know sketches and i'm going to resell this design to somebody else because it's very strong and you didn't want it so you know have you ever had clients lie to you about the purpose behind uh what they were after um sometimes Somebody, somebody contacted me to make an emote for him, and they wanted a logo in it. And uh, yeah, that was that was a fun story because I literally drew them exactly what they wanted, and I gave it to them at one twelve pixels by fifty six by twenty eight. And they're like, "Is there a larger size?" No, this is an emote. You paid the emote price. You see up here, it's the, the right here. <laughs> right here that's the, that's the emote but I wanted to use it as a, as a what <laughs> that's what I thought uh, have a great day sir uh, you talked to, about assholes um, before mm. well you, you, you mentioned dealing with assholes we, ha- we haven't dug into that yet we don't have to go too deep oh god that's a terrible pun I'm sorry um what is your approach with that when you have somebody that wants to micromanage um even beyond just having bad, bad ideas that they're insisting on you know like they're just being difficult hmm. what's your what's your approach to that 
Oh, well, it's, it's very simple. It, you know, I, I don't even have to use this speech very often. Um, because you have to realize when you're dealing with micromanagement, you're dealing with bad design choices, you're dealing with a client that you know wants a thousand different things, you're literally spending up all your 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 time capital that you don't need to, and it's costing you more money in the long run. So, in short of that, I'm like, you know what? Um, you kind of me about this 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 uh, project. We went over these you know certain things. You wanted X, Y, and Z, but now you want A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and unfortunately, I'm sorry to let you know that. I cannot execute on these ideas for this price. Now we can go back and renegotiate. Um, you know, the new price would be this, but if you find it, you know, that's not what you want for me, I completely understand. I'll keep half of the deposit you gave me and here's the other half back. Because I've booked this order, you know, I've told other clients that this time was already booked. So I think it's fair to me that I keep this this portion of the deposit. And you get the half deposit back. You can find another designer. But I do uh, want to give you a little bit of advice. When you contact another designer, please let them know upfront exactly what you want. Um, if they have a problem with that, you know, uh, I'll just I'll like take the entire conversation we had and I'll let them know from point A, you wanted this, you wanted this. I'll give you a price on it. We get down here, you want this. Do you think that's fair? Well, you know, I didn't. I wasn't really thinking about it like that. I understand, you know. But you know, next time you you'll have more information. You contact another designer. But you know, till then, you know, thanks for choosing Con Art. It's been a pleasure. That just makes you sound like a Con artist. I Aye, Now Moose has good puns. Uh, somebody in the chat is uh, wondering. How do you get the word of mouth snowball rolling? For some people, it can never start or just die out after a short time. Uh, you talked a little bit about this, um, but I think maybe they weren't here earlier. Do you want to just briefly touch on that again, as far as you know, like what your your thinking is on generating reputation? Mm. So to generate reputation, to generate great reputation. Um, you ever look at somebody's like the, the the front of their social media content? And you're like, look at it and like, this is amazing, amazing so much so that you're the kind of that person, and then say, who made this for you? I'd like everyone to have that exact feeling when they see my work, and if I don't have that feeling in my stomach when I make it, I go back and I remake it. Now, now being a great designer and getting good word of mouth are two different things. You can be a great designer and have shitty client and client and uh, uh, customer service skills. Um, all the customer service skills I pretty much garnered from being a bartender and you know working you know in food stuff for you know a number of years. Um, being empathetic, being a good listener, and then when they ask you for something, you take that idea and you make it not one hundred times better. You try to make it like two hundred times better. So when they see it and they're like. This is better than I ever dreamed of. And you're like, got your ass now. <laughs> so when they say, when somebody sees that work, I'm like, who made it? Kind of made it. Here's his website. And people will tag you all over social media saying, this guy made this, this, and this. You know, contact him about such things. I've had people I've worked with literally on my first like 100 emotes still are tagging me on Twitter every single day. So the mentions are always through the roof because, um, Unlike a lot of other designers and other illustrators, um, longevity is the name of the game. 
there are a lot of emo artists and a lot of like uh, social media designers that you'll see for six months to 12 months and then they'll fall off the place of the planet. And the reason they fall off the face of the planet is because they're not making enough money. And it's not sustainable. They're running a business that's running this, that's running themselves ragged. They're working, you know, 18 hours a day. Um, they're getting they're they're getting the worst clients because they're charging way too little money. And they end up burning themselves out and they never want to do designs anymore. They're they they've they've pretty much tanked their entire career because they want it to be marketable and affordable instead of being happy and producing higher end content for those other clients. Um, so people that I've known that are making way better designs and they've been doing it much longer, they'll fizzle out. Like they've, they'll, they'll fizzle out and they'll, they'll not want to do it anymore because they're, instead of making, you know, you know, $75,000 a year, they're making $25,000 a year working the same amount of time they could be making the same amount of money working at McDonald's and eventually they'll, they'll quit. Um, so having, you know, having your face be up there. Being up front, you know, even though I'm not producing work every day on my Twitter, I'm just like, I'll take 40 minutes. I'll sketch something up. I'm doing illustrations. And I'll do, if I'm not, if I don't have anything on my plate when I wasn't making any art for a client early on, I'll do passion projects. Like, I want to make this. I want to, I want to redesign this video games. If this video game had a bakery in the, in the basement of where all the NPCs are, how would that, how would that logo look? Or... You know, I have all these like little ideas. I'm like, oh, make that, and people are like, can you make those for me? I'm like, well, yes, I can. How much? You know, three hundred, four hundred. You know, and uh, a year later, you know, five hundred, six hundred. You know, three years later, seven fifty. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the play. Passion projects, passion projects, and being taking someone's input and being a good listener. And lastly. The, the, the thing that a lot of designers, new designers, um, need to understand is when they're making something, um, they're not making it for themselves. And when you make a design you love and you give the client and they hate it, let it go. Let that design go. Let it go. It's not going to work. The client said it's not going to work. Um, a lot of people burn themselves out on getting upset a client didn't like something they made instead of being a better listener to actually what they actually want. So when you make something and you love it, good, keep it, put it in the file, and then forget about it. Never get attached to anything you make, ever. Uh, if you love a painting and you're like, oh, man, I love this thing. Somebody stole it. Let it go, man. Just let it go. Follow the MCA, whatever you got to do. Just don't, don't worry about it. Don't stress yourself out. Um, I made a viral meme. Um, Right when Bernie came out, that Bernie meme came out, and I made one that you know, it blew up on Twitter. It had like it, it, it was on iFunny, it was on like it was on Facebook, it was everywhere. It was on Reddit. They had like ninety thousand retweets, and then like somebody copied and and pasted, and they had like fifty thousand retweets. And I'm like, good. I just found those posts, and I'm like, this is my name. You can buy a T-shirt here. This is my name. You can buy a T-shirt here. I didn't like stop stealing my art. Just let it go, because it's in two weeks. You're gonna forget about the meme. You're gonna forget about you. But you no, know, strike with iron is hot. You don't stress yourself out. Those designs are not for you. Uh, the the more detached you can be from what you make, uh, the better off you'll be in the long run. The less stress you're gonna you know take on your body. 
which will actually, you know, it's going to age the fuck out of you. So easy, easy. There's something that you mentioned uh, earlier in that uh, segment where you said um, that uh, you're doing something and then people will like it and then they'll come back to you to buy something similar. Mm-hmm. So basically it's similar to what you do with your portfolio where you only put things in your portfolio in your portfolio that you want to do more of. So if you want to be uh, hired to do emotes, you have to do emote art. And if you want to be hired to do D&D characters, you have to make D&D characters. And then people will hire you to do similar things. Bingo. I'm playing off of what you said too about listening to what the client wants as opposed to just uh, getting like overly distracted with what you think is going to be cool or whatever there's a way to do both just listen to what the client wants first then try and like make it something that you enjoy doing (laughs) something Mm -hmm. that you're going to love um real quick and then and then kill your darlings go ahead uh did you sell any shirts or anything related to uh the bernie meme when you uh Mm -hmm. went up so you capitalized on it like 500 bucks from Worth something it. I made, it took me like an hour to make. Uh, that I was doing, I wasn't like I don't when I make stuff, I don't expect to make money off of it. So making money off of it is just like a bonus, and it's still making money, like I mean, like twenty bucks or something a month. But when the iron's hot, the iron's hot. Right. When it's not, it's not. And you also mentioned earlier in that uh, segment where you said you do two hundred percent extra mm. than what they were expecting uh how do you balance what they paid for and what you can provide do you just boost the price up from the beginning to be something to to compensate you for that extra effort to make 200 percent as good or you just as the opportunity comes up you don't worry oh they only pay for a flat color and i'm giving them cell shading you just think say this is the shell cell shading will make me look better so i'm gonna make so i'm gonna do it for myself uh, that I don't do. All the stuff is already built into the, into the price. Um, like some people, when they are, they've been dealing with so many like bad designers that they'll pay a hundred bucks for this thing and they'll get it. I'm like, you oh, know, this is pretty good, you know. And when they come to me and I'm like, oh, you know, this will be this identity work will be five hundred bucks, and you give them the logo. And you give them breakdowns of every piece of the logo that can be used on different colors, on different color schemes, on light, on dark, on different sizes and vector. They're like, well, I didn't know I was getting all of this. Well, this is what you paid for. So, you know, um, you know, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Earlier, you were talking about people that kind of fall off the uh, emo business. Um, What is the market like as far as saturation goes that you're aware of? Like, is there still room for people to come in and start making emotes, you know, as a, as a viable revenue stream, or is it starting to get filled up? Do you have a sense of that? Um, the market is always open, but it's only open for, you know, exceptional art and for exceptional pricing. Um, it's like any of the market. It's over flooded with artists, but you know a lot of them are just they. 
the effort isn't there to improve their craft as much as they would like it to be. Like if if you look at what you do, like say if you're a carpenter and you were tasked to build a door, you can build a door that's flat, or you could you know chop down the finest tree, you could plane it you know for days, you can make a fine piece of craftsmanship that works you know you know that'll be great in winter and won't you know when it gets gets wet it won't curl up and fall apart. Uh, so that's the kind of like level of craftsmanship that this mar- every market needs. Every market needs a master craftsman. Uh, but mastering that craft is up to the is up to the artist. Because there are it's just like there are <laughs> millions of people play basketball, but only a few people in the NBA uh, because you know exceptional skills. Uh, so there's always room for better artists there's always room for improvement when you become when you the thing that kills a lot of artists when they fall off is that they've grown so comfortable with what they make that um they feel like you know i've i've reached the peak there's nothing better i can do whereas i'm like take this and make it better than before you're like well you've made thousands of them how could you make it any better there's, there's always something you can make, make it better. There's, there's, there's never a point in time. I'm not saying that you can reach perfection, but there's always a point where you can make something a little bit better. The color balance, working a smaller size, using different line weights, different like it, it, it's. I'll, I'll stare at somebody's other art, emo art that I like. I'm like, how? Oh. You'll take it. You'll break it down. You'll stare at it. You'll blow it up. You start pulling pixels out and like you shrink it and pull it back. You're like, what is going on here? How this is this is this is witchcraft. And then you find out all the you know, this when you find out all the little uh, little hexes they put all over the pieces. You're like, you can start seeing. You get you get, the, you get that sight beyond sight. You're like, oh oh, this is how they did it. No, this is no, this is you gotta come see this shit. You, unless you're like really into the thing that you're into, it's kind of like being a film critic. You're like, well, no and. Tarantino's film and and Reservoir Dogs. He was referencing the movie from 1976. So you see this when he uses music. This from this 19 you know you know 52 Italian classic. And you're like, bro, who cares? And you're like, I do. I care. I'm trying to make not good movies. I want to make extraordinary movies. I don't want to make good emos. I want to make extraordinary emos. I don't want to make okay logos. I want to make you no know, fantastic logos. So you have that mindset when you make things. No matter. Well, if you booked out six months or not, I'd rather, you know, I, I, I just, there's always a better wheel to be made, you know? Yeah, complacency is death. That's uh, the, the phrase that I like to repeat to myself. And yeah, there is always room to get, I'm always telling people that um, art is really just an ongoing process of getting better at the fundamentals. Like there's there's no point where you get to where you're like okay cool I got like all of the basics down now I can go make good art <laughs> like that's that's never happening you're basically just always trying to still get a, a little bit better at making that color theory work or making your values work it's not and never ending um, among these services that you provide um, what constitutes the largest portion of your revenue stream? Uh, probably branding. 
because those jobs run uh, seven hundred to five grand uh, each. So probably stuff like that, or emergency large, emergency rush order emotes. So some people have ordered fifty emotes that they wanted in two weeks, and that could be like a few grand, like two to three grand or four grand, depending on how many emotes it is. So around, around there, but, but on average, just branding work, identity and branding work. Yeah. And is there anything that you feel like underperforms? Like, does it all kind of do about what you want it to? Or do you feel like sometimes there's things that underperform and you have to try and bring it up a little bit? Or um, I always think a lot of things I do underperform, but <laughs> that's why I was trying, I'm trying to make it better. Uh, my clients argue otherwise. I'm like, there's no one better who does this stuff. And I'm like, you are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm getting close. But I am getting close. Well, we talked a little bit. Um, I keep saying that. We talked a little bit when I'm referring to things that you actually mentioned. Uh, you, you mentioned pricing. Uh, and I actually did talk about it a little bit. Putting the proper pricing on something is crucial and it's a huge issue for a lot of artists to come to grips with like what is the good pricing that you're supposed to be putting on your work to be fairly compensated um have was there a learning curve for you uh in terms of trying to figure out you know like what's an appropriate what's an appropriate price tag for the services that you offer you know did you have mm -hmm. any like tough come to Jesus moments where you had to wrestle with your own personal value or were you just like right out of the gate ready to go? Um, so pricing, uh, I was going to recommend this channel one more time, recommend the, uh, the Futures uh, uh, YouTube channel. But pricing, once I moved from taking the business, which was for, from part-time, which was like from March uh, four years ago till about November where I quit my bartending job, I went from like five days of bartending to to two days to one day with a key and i would show up and do work at the bar like i work sunday and monday where there's nobody coming in between like four o'clock and six o'clock and then like eight o'clock to midnight i'm just at the bar making making designs um <clears throat> the pricing came into play when because i own my own home um you know i got i got rent i got I'm not right So I got mortgage, I got bills, I got insurance, you know, I'm paying off school loans, you know, X, Y, Z, and all that comes to, you know, X amount of grand a month. And you're like, and you're like, can I actually make this work as a, as a, as a business doing, you know, emotes and design? And you come to find out when you're looking at the marketplace where people are charging, you're like, this is this is impossible, but that's when the turning point was when I saw Christo's work on how much the logo costs. He like he sold his logo for twenty thousand dollars, and I was like, and you just shit your pants immediately, like you literally have feces in your pants for twenty <laughs> grand. That's impossible, you know. Until I sold a logo like last year for like two grand, and I'm like, this is I mean, I guess this sounds more plausible. I mean, this is this this could work. So. You, 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 if you, if you're making stuff, but you're just getting by month to month, because no, no one will start their own business and, get, and just 
be paycheck to paycheck because you might as well just do a paycheck to paycheck job. Um, once you realize the strength he has as a designer, the strength he has as an artist, the marketability you have, you come to realize that um, there is not a lot of quality designers that stick around because they're not charging enough. And once you do something really well, like really well, people will seek you out. So I went from charging 50 bucks for, for a logo to 500 within, I think, two years. And then as I did more and more business that were not inside of the Twitch space, my side of the streaming space, where I did like heating and cooling companies, LA were like 1,200, 2,000, um, stuff like that. The more professional business, the more, you know, the more applications it, it, it may need. It, this may need to be on a billboard. It may need to be on, on somebody's clothing as a piece of embroidery. It has to be on the side of a, a car as a wrap. Um, all that plays into it. And all that stuff I've learned on YouTube for free. For free 99. Uh, so that information is out there. But when you're charging, I see character artists do this. I'm a, I'm a concept artist that can work. Oh yeah, you know, I I draw a character, you know, sketches are ten dollars, you know, full renders are fifty dollars, and I'm like, you're not gonna be doing this very long. Um, I'm not a character artist. I dabble in character art because I think it's fun. You know, I I find great joy in it. That is why I do character art. People are contacting me, how much for character art? I'm like, uh, three hundred bucks for the sketch. And they're like, Okay. And I'm like, Okay, well, here's the invoice. I'll see you in six months. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we have this conversation coming with pretty much every guest when we talk about pricing. But um, so people that have heard the prior episodes know what this question is. Uh, what advice would you give to somebody that's in a low cost of living country like Brazil or Poland or uh, Thailand and they can live on $100 a month comfortably? Mm-hmm. But you're saying numbers that to them sound astronomical. Is it right for them to charge five thousand dollars for something that takes them a day to finish, or should they um, stick to uh, charging five dollars per emote? You know, what what thoughts do you have on the low cost of living countries and how they contribute to the international uh, market of art? Uh, once you realize that where you live at is irrelevant to what you should make, it's that, that answers that question. It doesn't matter if you live in the North Pole. You're, li- you're dealing with a global economy. Um, if you were dealing with people just around the block, you're not dealing with Joe Schmo around the block. I'm dealing with people that live, like I live in Ohio, and I'm targeting people, like somebody sees a logo I make for 500 and they're living in California, like, that's it? And I'm like, that's it. I sh- probably should, should kick it up a little more, 750 1000 Yeah. It doesn't really matter where you live at. Where, where you set your stake down in your home is irrelevant to how much money you should make. If you're all producing the same quality content, you should be all be raising those rates. Do you want to live as, I can live comfortably, or do you want to be a king? If you have the option to be a king, you know, you know take out the crown and shine it up. Why would you pass up on that opportunity? I might lose business. If you're charging five times, you're going to be gaining much more work, much more income for less work. So. There you go. Yeah, you just anticipated my next question, 
Um, and like Moose said, it, it, we repeat these conversations a lot. So to anybody that's listening that's heard this before, my apologies. But you never know which episode is going to be the first one that people listen to. So it's like if there's an opportunity to plug it in somewhere, it's, it's, it's worth getting into. Um, and you briefly just commented on this. But I was going to ask you specifically, you know, someone you hear somebody say, well, if I charge more, then no one's going to get no one's going to buy commissions or purchase my product. Can you expand on that a little bit more? The thinking of like why that's not correct thinking. Um, if that was the case, uh, there'd be no Lamborghinis. Um, there'd, be, there'd be no Balenciagas or whatever the hell they call them. There'd be no Supreme Clothing. Uh, there'd be no high-end products anywhere for any person. So you just torpedoed your own argument looking at the current market. Uh, there's always room to charge more for what you do. And even I'm not charging enough. The only reason I haven't raised my price in the past year is because we're in a pandemic. That is the one and only reason I haven't raised prices. Because uh, I would like to see people, this is the me being you know, the philanthropist, uh, make more money with the things I make for them. I, I want them to make be successful. I mean, you can be successful during the pandemic by me producing this this product at this price. Uh, I'm more than happy to freeze my pricing until we're out of this god awful mess. Uh, but there are there go the prices are going up and they're they're definitely going up. Uh, I was going to so say no, if you're five it, months if you're five months out, man. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's got to be coming soon, right? It was it's it was going to happen last year and, and before summer hit and then you know we're here now and we had like a recovery that you know some people are going up like dramatically they're making tons of money uh, during the pandemic and there's other people that are obviously living not even paycheck to paycheck but um, month to month with whatever money they can scrounge up but that just means like if you see somebody is coming from a giant co- company or they are loaded that you can then change your pricing to fit that client rather than ha- sticking to a stock price, right? Oh, yeah, I don't have stock prices. They're, that's why logos range uh, 350 to uh, 750 Because if I'm making uh, a piece of uh, merchandise for a content creator who is just starting and they need something simple to get them out the door, it's like 400 bucks. If I am dealing with a heating and cooling company that you know is surfacing Northeast Ohio, you know, it's you know, you can look up their net worth on you know any website. Well, for what this for because they want their the application is going to be much more higher than what you're, what you're producing. Like I said before, it's going to be used on a different uh, platforms. It's got to work on business cards. It's got to work on clothing. It's got to work on cars. It's got to work on their designs. Got to work on their letterhead. All that's got to be taken into consideration. I'm making this thing for your profile picture. You've got two applications. I'm working with somebody with a, with a client that's producing all the stuff. This client has you know. A hundred applications. This is this is not on the same footing. The design, the, the the design research goes much higher. You don't look like another design in the same area. It's uh, a lot of marketing research that goes into it, which a lot of people don't tell you that. You know, sometimes you got to look look at a bunch of other stuff in the exact same market of the thing you're producing, but all that factions the price. And uh, one thing that factions the price that I'm not sure many people know about. When somebody comes to you with an idea or no idea, when somebody comes to you with no idea, um, oh yeah, make whatever you want. That that's double off the bat. So a logo that will cost you four hundred bucks is not eight hundred bucks. 
You're like, why is it double? I have to now go through all your VODs. I have to look at your social media. I have to see what you do. I talk to your community. Um, I have to do this. I have to do that. And this. I'm like, oh, let me get back to you in an hour. I said, oh, yeah, yeah. You got some ideas? No, I bet. No, like, oh, yeah, okay. I'll see, you. I'll see you in an hour. And that's to save your own sanity and to let you know that your time is worth it. Also, one more thing for designers. Um, when somebody con- con- contacts you about design work uh, and they say, well, what would you do with this? And you know, they're just asking you a simple question. Um, you have to tell them that your ideas aren't free. And sometimes I do conference calls, and you know, it's my conference calls are fifty bucks or seventy-five bucks an hour to talk to me about your potential design work, and that's paid up front. You know, if you want to talk about it, you know, it's fifty bucks, seventy-five bucks, just for me to talk about your idea. And we can do this, this, that, and this, and the other. Otherwise, we're not talking about it at all. Well, I'll just hire somebody else. Good. You should probably hire somebody else because they'll. What, what's stopping me? What's stopping you from taking my idea? Because your ideas are more valuable in the design world than the execution. Sometimes, what's 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 stopping you from taking my, my idea and hiring somebody you know in Indonesia and charging them twenty five dollars to make it? Uh, nothing. Nothing at all. That, that's correct. Uh, so protect your ideas. Please protect your ideas. Can I see a sketch of it? No, you may not see a sketch of it. <laughs> Here's my portfolio of all the thousands of clients I've had. You know, it's here for a reason. So be mindful. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do you one better, man. And in the tattoo industry, um, someone comes to me with uh, a, the do whatever you want thing. That's just an automatic no. Uh, I don't even try and charge you extra. I'm just saying no, because I've done that before. and inevitably it never fails i'm going to spend hours coming up with the design that i like and then they're going to realize that they actually didn't mean what they said they didn't actually mean do whatever you want they meant read my mind and make the thing that you see in my mind really cool on paper and then i'm going to try another 50 okay i'm ranting anyway let's um let's come back go ahead moose what what about the polar opposite? If they had come to you with a whole lot of ideas and they want you to cram them all together into the perfect thing, is that like common or is that also one of the uh, things that triggers a bump in the price? Oh, no, I love that. I, the more input, the better. The more visual, like if you come at me with 75 pictures and I can just take out the strongest ones and like just distill down like 10 pictures and like you, you represent that, you're like, this is what you want? You're like, this is exactly what I want. I'm like, good. We just we just saved ourselves five hours of time here, my friend. The more input you get, the better. There's there's like there's knowledge is power. Not knowledge is power. The the more you know. Like I ask people for you know send me five or seven pictures. If somebody sends me a Google document with like bullets and points and designs, I'm like, we just saved ourselves so much time. This is this this design makes itself. This design makes itself. So the more information, the better. I mean, that's assuming that it's organized in some coherent way, right? Like, I imagine you get briefs sometimes where it's just like, this is a clusterfuck. I can't make heads or tails of what they actually want me to do. <laughs> um, no? I'm pretty intuitive. Oh, shit. All right. I'm pretty intuitive. God bless I you. think it's just from, like, talking to people from Ed, as a bartender. It's just like, I don't know. I can kind of just intuit what you would like. I don't know, it, man. It helps. A lot of this interview smells like you have some weird superpowers that the, the rest of humanity is is not uh 
is not in possession of? Um, patience. Um, lots okay. of patience. Um, one thing I learned doing martial arts, doing internal martial arts, is uh, like we would stand in the sun, like just stand for like a couple hours, just breathing, and you kind of just slow down everything, and you kind of take it in just beat by beat. And that's why you can kind of just like you see it like somebody's having some problems. You just, just can you can intuit that this is not the normal thing, or you can intuit like they've seen something that they're super excited about and they want something very similar. And then you can just say, well, asking the right questions. Why do you think this would be a good fit for you, and why do you want this thing? Well, X, Y, and Z has it, but you're not X, Y, and Z. So is this the best thing for you? I'm sure you think about that for a second before I take your money. Um, because as as counterintuitive as it may be, um, being the greatest advocate for your client, um, even at your own like peril, sometimes is better for you in the long run because they'll take that information like, you know what, this was a bad idea this time, and you know you may hear from that person, you may not, or they may come to you. Uh, yeah, my my company, we're doing this thing. We're redoing like our branding, and we have a fifteen thousand dollar budget, and we would like to work with you. My, he said we had a he had a great. He said you saved you saved him like a few hundred bucks. He would like to work with you on this thing. You're like, oh man, this is coming back down the pipe. I'm glad I was nice to that guy or that lady. Or you know, it helps. So you know, being open to doing what's best for you and be doing what's best for the client at the same time is is all I want to do. That's that's it. Um, it's not really like any special skill. It's just uh, listening, listening and patience. Because you can be over flooded with like just visual information because you can't let the things that happened to you early in the day, the things that happened yesterday, the things that happened last week impact what you do as a business person or impact things. Like I am completely detached from everything that from everything's compartmentalized, compartmentalized. You know, I'm having a shitty morning, and and then somebody reaches out because this design didn't look right. I'm like, you know what? Let me hear him out. You know, they take down their their input, and you're like, you know, maybe this is a maybe they're wrong, maybe they're right. Let's just keep an open mind. But you can't let that stuff stack. If you let it stack, it can blind you to almost everything. It puts you like a you put blinders on. You don't want to deal with anything left or right. You got to be very careful about that. Yeah, fair enough. Well, one place that uh, is good to see your people skills and your personability is on Twitch. You stream full time. Yeah. Yeah. What brought you into streaming? How did you get clued into that? And what made you think, ah, oh, that's the thing that I want to be doing? Uh, so I was doing the fan art, and I was doing the emotes, and I was doing a podcast, a Destiny podcast. And my buddy Too Loud TX was like, uh, you should stream your artwork on Twitch. And I was like, <laughs> you're a moron. I'm not streaming my artwork on Twitch. And uh, I was wrong. I was wrong. Oh, I'm a coke. Uh, and I started streaming. Um, after I got done working at the bar. So people get to see their designs be made at midnight 
until 4 a.m. for like a number of months. And then, you know, I have like five people hanging around, you know, you know, I just meet with the tunes blasting and I'm just making stuff. Making emotes. I'm like, oh, man, you make emotes? I'm like, yep, I'm, I'm, I'm making emotes. I'm like, oh, would you make so for me? I'm like, yeah, yeah, contact me on Twitter. You know, it's like two weeks. Two weeks, fantastic. You know, that would turn into four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. Uh, seven months is the longest time, like backup time I've had, seven months. Um, so that was another way to get in front of people. But uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that's how I got started. My buddy was like, we did a podcast together. You should do this on. You should do this live, and I'm like, Ugh. okay, sure, why not? Let's try it out. Um, so did, did, was there some getting used to it? Because I, I know a lot of people talk about that, where it just feels kind of a little bit weird doing it at first until you get into the swing of it. No, not really, because we we broadcast the the uh, the podcast live on a oh, Twitch right, channel. That's right. And I, I wasn't in charge of it. I was just kind of sitting back on like a on the on a laptop like webcam, which was like out of place. You'd like turn the laptop in the right angle. And it was you know, so it was just like it was fine. And I was I talked to people all day at the bar, so it was just like it was fine. What about coming up with ideas while streaming? Is that an impediment at all? I know some people that have a, a hard time uh, starting the process on a stream, but they can finish it on a stream. Uh, no, I was I only I just mostly work on stream, so I'm kind of like double dipping. Like uh, I'm already getting paid for the work I'm doing, and then I'm just doing it live, and people are subbing, so I'm just I'm just double dipping and just showing the work I'm doing. Uh, mostly stream because uh, I don't want to work alone. Because any designer knows that design work can be very lonely. So you're working like a you know. And as an end of design department with other designers, so. So your mind is on more of the uh, the process of designing more so than the chat. You're not as focused on chat, or does it just chat not distract you very much in general? No, not distracting. Well, sometimes there's tangents. I'm still just I'm just making stuff at the same time. Like I'll look over, and like whatever. Cheese on a what? No, no. It's this is not this is stupid. I, you, okay, whatever. And there's other things we like. We start talking about movies, or we like we'll have a conversation about you know what happened in the day, or you know. it's all very natural. I don't I don't think about ideas. I just like anything else. Like I don't, like I don't edit. I'm just like live. Um, what am I want to sketch up? I know I saw something that I was watching last night. I'll find a picture of that person. I'll sketch that for an hour or whatever, and then I'll get to work. So warm up before you actually get to business. Oh yeah, I spend one to two hours every day drawing whatever I want, or designing whatever I want. That that allows me to design and draw and stream seven days a week. Uh, I've been doing seven days a week for two and a half, three years. Um, and people would say like, "Wouldn't you like get tired of designing stuff?" And I'm like, uh, "Not really, because I'm, I'm making whatever I want." I'm trying to get better at whatever I do. If I didn't like take some time to do whatever I wanted, like have some resets, uh, you would like literally you would go insane. I, th- I think I would have gone insane a long time ago. But the art, like the act of creation, like at the beginning is just like, all right, I am going to draw a big busty waifu or 
or I'm going to make a logo for a company that does not exist, or I'm going to make a t-shirt design that, you know, I'll, maybe you'll sell, maybe I won't, and, you know, whatever. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to make whatever's in my head, and then I'll do design work for somebody else. That was actually a question that we had coming up, uh, burnout and mental fatigue, because I, I was aware that you stream regularly, full-time, but I didn't, I didn't know that it was seven, seven days a week for the past two or three years. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's intense, man. So have you ever had to confront burnout or mental fatigue? Um, nope. Nope, not really. The, uh, a lot of the mental toughness I got was from doing martial arts for so long. Lots of repetition. Lots and lots of hours, hours and hours. Like, uh, when I say I, I did internal martial arts, I did Chin Tai Chi. And the first form is uh, Ilu, which takes eight minutes to perform. And we did that form 15 times, eight to 15 times every class, like two, three hour class. And then you would go home and do it some more to get good at it. And then you would train for competition. And you kind of just build up this, uh, it's, it's stamina. It's mental stamina. You can't, it's every, everything you do, it's like, it's a muscle. You kind of just, you flex a little bit, you let it rest, you flex a little bit, you let it rest. It gets stronger over time. It's, it's, it's like a, it's, it's like a form of willpower. Like, well, like I tell people, like when they, they want to learn how to do something, oh, I want to learn how to do this. I'm going to do eight hours a day for the next 15 days. Or like, how about you start doing like 10 minutes a day and then like 10 minutes the next two weeks and then think about 30 minutes after that. Like, but I want to be like you. Well, this is how I did it. If you try to jump in, if you try to jump off a building and you haven't walked before as a baby, you want to break both your legs and you never want to walk again. You won't want to jump again. You won't do anything. You'll, you'll literally break, you'll break your entire spirit. That spirit is, is forged over time. That, that, that mental toughness is, is forged over time. Like I had to slap a, a bag of sand, you know, 50,000 times over the course of like a few months. And that took time to like build up the mental fortitude to make that happen without wanting to quit. Because you can't just jump in and do it immediately. You'll bruise, both, you'll bruise the front and back of your hand and you'll break a small bone. You have to, you have to like literally take your time with everything and everything builds up over time. That willpower is like five and you like you push a little bit and get to seven and overall, like over time, because you can almost do anything. You can almost do anything. Like the human potential is like astronomical, but you can't, you can't be a superhero if you've never faced any trials. You're, you're, you're going to fall over dead in the, on the spot. I feel like we should be recommending martial arts to to more artists. <laughs> seems like a lot of benefit here. Um, yeah, I just added a question to the end of the sheet so we could tra- tack it on. But since we're at, on the topic now, uh, considering many of the artists in our community are otherwise potatoes, um, what uh, martial arts would you suggest they look into after lockdown ends to uh, learn patience? Oh, um, a good one is uh, the internal martial arts. Chinese internal martial arts is not great for self-defense until like the very end high levels, which no one really reaches in America. Like to, to become proficient at self-defense with these martial arts, it would take a decade and, and that's not great for fighting or 
self-defense whatsoever. But it does teach you the value of uh, of breath control, patience, flexibility, and uh, it, it's good mental. Like the more movement you do, the more the, the, the better it's for your mindset, the better it's for your creativity, the blood flowing, get the endorphins up. Um, I power lift five days a week, and I practice a little bit before and after Mark. Like I do my lifts. And that's not as to, to the high intensity as I was in my twenties and you know uh, early thirties. Yeah, twenties and early thirties. So, yeah, Tai Chi, Bagua. Um, so people like to do jujitsu as um, a very part popular martial art, but you can't really practice it alone, and that's better for self defense, from what I hear. Uh, so yeah, any kind of thing that helps stimulate your mind and your body at the same time, because there is a lot of uh, nuance in movement. And when you think about moving your body as one whole piece, you've seen people do Tai Chi and they're like, they're like oh, yeah, you know, I'll do the Tai Chi. You know, I'm moving my body. But when you think about it from when somebody that actually does it, teaches you, teaches you martial, like teaches you the, mar- the martial art from like, you know, how it's supposed to be done, there's more to just the movement. Like when somebody does this, like, oh, yeah, I'm doing Tai Chi. Instead of like learning from a proper thing, you've learned like all the mechanics of your body, and when you breathe in and twist, and then the entire body moves, and then this part moves, the elbow spirals out, and then there's all this internal movement going on at the same time, and exhaling at the same time with every breath. It's like when a movement comes in, and then turning, everything moves at the same time. So you have to think about all those motions at the exact same time, and breathe in at the right time, and then exhale at the same time. So it's mentally exhausting, and it's physically subtle to everything you do. So that helps uh, bring the acuity, the acuity a lot more. Like I can draw for hours on end. Like I I draw eight to twelve hours in sittings before, and I'm not really thinking about drawing with my hand. I'm not drawing with my hand. I'm not drawing with my my shoulder. I'm drawing my entire body the entire time. Every time I move, I'm just move, everything's moving here. I I never slunch over my seat. That's often doing the martial arts. It's often sitting and standing in the sun with proper alignment the entire time. I'm going to sit here and draw for hours and hours and hours, but I'm not really using the muscles of my hand. I'm using my entire body as the conduit for my my my, my pencil or my uh, my stylus. So martial arts are great, especially the uh, the finer ones. The more subtle arts are great for for uh, for art. That's awesome. Or we're going to put some information related to that in the show notes, actually, because that's that's the first time that we've talked about that. Uh, the, the, the specifically the physical connection to your mental connection, uh, and like that, it's worth a lot more conversation in itself. Maybe another time. Um, coming back to your your Twitch streaming, um, knowing how long you've been doing it, and then kind of seeing it kind of take off, like relatively quickly it seems like you had kind of been like on the grind for a while um and then i know it wasn't literally overnight but it just started booming it started taking off Hmm. did that uh did that catch you off guard or were you sort of like on the mission to build a community and build a larger following from the beginning um it kind of did happen overnight and this is why I say you, you kind of want to be the best person you, you can be for all the time. And you try to help as many people as you can. 
Um, so my like I was had like 40, 50 people on average um, for like a number of like a couple years. And then last year, um, one of the people that came by my stream all the time was in Australia and they, you know, they hang out, they, you know, do sketches together and stuff like that. And then somebody they mod for, they brought him over and were hanging out, you know, they raided a few times. And he had like, you know, 15, 20 people at a time raiding in this community. And he's a really nice guy. And then um, I think a couple months later, he like exploded. So he went from like having 50 people or, or, tw or 20 people to having like, you know, 7,000 people. And then he started raiding me every single night for like two weeks. And I had to tell him to stop raiding me. Um, number one, there were so many people in the community that had been doing it longer than I had that needed the eyeballs. Cause I'm not streaming to make money. I'm not, I don't look at my stream. I don't, there's no sub goals in my channel. There's no, there's no, there's no bar saying I need to fill this up. There's, there's none of that because I am here working for you. I'm already making money. This is, this is already, this is me. I don't want to be alone when I do it. This is why I'm here. I'm not here to like, I need to have this many subs to eat this month. I am here because I am just here. You can leave and come back. There's no, there's no stress. Um, that person's Brock's. Brock's in New Zealand. He's a, he's a potted wood carver. He's kept raiding, raiding, and raiding. I'm like, Brock's man, I, I love you, but please, please find some other artists in this directory that need to have some eyeballs on them. And he did eventually. Uh, and people were like, why would you even tell him to do that? He was dropping off thousands of people every night. I'm like, yeah, but I don't need the eyeballs, really. I just, I'm not, I, this isn't a make or break thing. Like, if there were five people here or 50 people here, I'm going to do the exact same thing. If there are 5,000 people here, I am going to do the exact same thing. Uh, people are raiding like, aren't you freaking out? I'm like, no, no, I'm not. I'm not going to freak out. This is not life-altering. It might be, and I might not know it, but, I mean, I'm glad you guys are here. Um, have a seat or not. I mean, it's, uh, I'm very, uh, let's go with the flow. So that kind of shifted the, the the stream to like get partnered because there was no partner goals. I think I applied once before. I was like, oh, okay, you know, I applied, didn't happen. So what? And then I got partnered. Like, oh yeah, you got a thousand subs uh, from like all that all that traffic. And I was like, oh fuck! It wasn't oh fuck. I got a thousand subs. My oh fuck moment was like, I gotta make all these fucking emotes for the channel now. <laughs> that was my moment of dread. It was not that I got pardoned. It's like I've got to make and draw all these emails for the channel now, and I don't want to. I draw emails every day. I don't want to make emails for myself. This is not. This is not the play. Why are you guys torturing me with making more emotes? So that was that was probably the biggest thing. Then you outsource, and you be like, "Hey, I'll buy emotes for you," and then I'll put them on my channel, and people are like, "Hey, that's the guy who did the uh, emotes for the person who makes emotes." <laughs> Luckily, no one fixed all that. I made emails for Patreon, and I just took all the emails I made before and just put them in the slots. Bingo. And real quick, Brox, is that the uh, the guy who was in the uh, viral video of the two types of streamers? The one that, not the person that was yelling, five dollars a month. If you have time to watch me, you have you have five dollars a month to sub. And contrast that with Brox, who was like, "Oh, did somebody gift a sub? Oh, can I give the money back?" That is Brox. 
Oh, Brock still comes to hang out, but he doesn't he doesn't raid anymore. Thank God he doesn't raid anymore, but he still comes <laughs> by to hang out. I love Brock's. Brock's such a great guy, so wholesome. Um, I think that's why he brought his community by. He's like, this guy's wholesome. I think I like him too. And he bring by people like, all right, Brock, just stop bringing by people. He's like, all right, bro, I'll stop bringing by people. <laughs> yeah, he is a love that guy, He is a super cool dude. I've been in his he, his schedule doesn't quite line up right, but oh, I was hitting the wrong alt button. Um, yeah, I was just saying that guy is fucking super super cool and and so chill. And the New Zealand accent just makes it all the more better. You're just like, oh man, I, who needs an ASMR channel when you got this guy? Um, well, that, I, that whole story of the the history of making partner and kind of how that came about sort of answered my my next set of questions. So um, we're coming in to uh, the wrap up. There were a couple questions from chat that uh, I wanted to tack on that kind of go back to a couple of things that you had mentioned before um somebody earlier asked how many design versions do you show a client so when you're working on a product how many like preliminary sketches or whatever do you go through oh two to three two to three possible courses and they're very very rough is there a limit on revisions or do you just keep letting them keep uh, saying no not that until they're happy if we get to a point where i've done like a second course um, I would like to, I, I'll, I'll bring up, I'll bring up the briefing and they sent me and I would say, so what, what brand or what content out there or what design out there does really resonates with you to give me a better direction on which to go. And at that point, um, if there is, if I follow that, that next guideline, you have to realize that the client wants something. But they don't know how to, they don't know how to you know actually put in the words, and that's the point we have to say, you know what? It's unfortunately this isn't going to work out. Um, you know we've I've put you know x amount of like designs into this. The time is irrelevant, uh, so I don't try by the hour. I put this, this much time into it. Um, what I think you want is something I probably cannot provide because I'm not sure. If you, I don't I don't say you know the fuck you want, man. Uh, I say. Unfortunately, your design, um, your design brief isn't uh, up to par for what I need to. What I, what, what I, what was necessity for me to actually design this? So, uh, you know, unfortunately, this, this is. I'm gonna have to start the project here. Uh, it's been great working with you, and I hope to see. Hope I know. Hope for your continued success. Which literally, it's only happened out of all the probably the 20 people that weren't happy. Probably. Four of those people were that kind of talk. We had to have that kind of talk. Otherwise, I'm just like, I can pretty much get, I can pretty much like, you know, get the ideas of people. Somebody else had asked if you had any advice for artists that are doing other types of art than this kind of design work. Uh, do you have any advice for them for how to approach? Getting into design work. Getting into design work. Uh, I would say make designs for yourself. Um, like one huge thing, like my entire brand, people see my branding for my Conquer line. Like I want something similar to that or I make, I'll just, I'll, literally the thing that they'll get you into, into, into getting more design work is producing more design work. And if you produce it for yourself, and even if it's like a joke, like if you, you know, 
sometimes you'll make a just you'll make a meme out of like a logo. You'll 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 design a logo that'll be a meme of something else. I mean, that could be very simple. Uh, people are like, oh man, I need to do something like that. I'm like, oh yeah, I can. Uh, can you do something like that for me? I'm like, yeah, I can. So that's that's what we can do a design where you did literally what you want to do is what you need to do. So what you want to do is what you need to do. You're not going to become a motorcycle engineer by, you know, dealing with bicycles. You have to, <laughs> you've got to actually pull out a motorcycle and find out how it works. Moose, did you have anything that you had written down? Any follow-ups? Yeah, just one. Um, when I've been looking online for uh, people that were looking to sell t-shirts, the almost universal advice is to sell an Amazon merch. Have you looked into that or was there any specific reason that you either rejected it or are you even on it right now? I'm not on it. Um, pretty much everything I make, I sell off my website. Um, and everything else that's like, uh, you know, print to, uh, direct to print, um, merchandise is on Threadless. Because I, I don't have to think about it. So I, I guess Amazon merch might be good. But I never used it. So might be great. Might be something you need to look into. I have to make a note right here. Yeah, um, there's a few places. Like, it's a big topic on YouTube. Like, if you search for Amazon merch advice or tips, wish I would, things I wish I had learned when I, before I started doing Amazon merch or whatever, or how to get into Amazon merch, because it requires an uh, application even to get in. So, Oh, one thing I would say is uh, once you build up like a, a, a good community, like a, a, good, um, a good fan base as an artist, um, do limited runs. Like, and do pre-orders. That's one way to make sure you're not sitting on a ton of stock. Uh, like I've had, you know, t-shirts and hoodies go for pre-order, and people are like, well, you know, it's the hoodie was forty-five bucks on pre-order. Like it's forty-five bucks now, but I might have like four or five left over, and it'll be they'll be fifty-five dollars. They're like, what? And then they'll jump on the pre-order because they they don't want to spend any of that. Or people come to me later on, like, you any more left? I'm like, yeah, I got three. And they might not be your size. <laughs> <laughs> so pre-orders are a, a great idea. Fantastic, man. Um, where would you like people to go to find your work? Where, where do you like your traffic funnel to end up? Oh, it's all on my website, uh, conartist.org. K-H-A-N artist.org. I think having your own website is paramount to anybody finding you or taking you seriously as a designer or an artist. Um, Link trees and um, Weebly's and Wix sites should be temporary at best, but you should always invest in something that's your own branded front as a storefront or as a designer. Um, and when I see someone that has amazing work in there on .weebly, I take them a little bit less seriously. Um, because I'm not sure if they're in, as invested in the art as they should be, and I might pass them over. So looking professional and being professional are almost synonymous. I got schooled on Linktree recently. Like it was pointed out that there's no reason why your own website shouldn't be your own Linktree. Like you can set it up to be basically doing the exact same thing. And I was like, of Bingo. course, why the fuck do I have? What is Linktree even for? Why why does it exist? <laughs> anyway, um, 
one last question, man. Uh, unless there was anything that we didn't get to, anything that we didn't talk about that you would like to make sure somebody knows about? Uh, I think so. I'm forgetful, though, too. I probably thought of something I forgot it already. And, you're, and if you did forget something, you're always welcome to uh, follow up with us afterwards. These The recordings don't go out until the week after, so if there's anything that you want us to include in the show notes afterwards, we can do that. Otherwise, we just have our final question. Aside from work and personal projects, what's one thing that's happening in the world right now that you're excited about? Getting vaccinated. That is a that popular is the response. One thing I am excited about because I have an autoimmune disease, and uh, and so does my lady. She got vaccinated because she works at a school. But I would like to get out and go to a bar to have a proper IPA. Have you gotten the appointment yet, or are you still searching for one? I'm still not up for it. Like it's got to. There's like diabetics up first, the elderly, and there's a few others. Um, if I didn't work from home, I would be SOL. Right. Actually. Yeah. A quick tip. I'm lucky. For anybody in the United States that's looking for employment, um, one way to do it, if you don't have somebody handling it for you, like if you don't work for a university or whatever, um, many of these uh, pharmacies like Walgreens or, or uh, Rite Aid, et cetera, they stock their new appointments at midnight, between midnight and 3 a.m. every night. So that's why a lot of uh, elderly people are having a hard time finding appointments because they're looking at like 2 p.m., and there's none there. So if you're looking for employment, start looking around midnight and stop around 3 a.m. There you go. Or just be an asshole and jump in line because it's the honor system. I did, but you didn't hear that from me. That's, I heard that from somebody else. Um, thank you so much, Con. Man, this has been a blast. So much great information. Um, it's been a pleasure and an honor. Thank you for giving us your time, man. Oh, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Fantastic. Well, I will wave goodbye.